Mark 6, and you're listening to Episode 8 of the BZ Paracast Series 2. Last month's episode had been our longest to date, but this one's going to beat that. So to keep it from being any longer, here's the rundown. We start out with a story update from Spirit. After that, I talk to Kohaku about their recent uh, Toy Fair event. Then Dan and I do another How-To BZP. After that, Smeagol, Holly Husky, Sunjo, and I look at what Bionicle could have been, but never was. And we wrap things up with another music time with Smeagol 4. Here we go. Joining me now is Spirit to uh, do the little Bionicle storyline update. So the sets may uh, be wrapping up, but there's still plenty of story to tell. How's it going? Oh, not too bad. So, um, like I said, there's been quite a few uh, different story serials and things coming out, keeping uh, us all interested in the Bonacle storyline and giving us all sorts of new tidbits. So, what's first up on our list? Uh, first up on our list is, um, well, I guess we could talk about uh, Samed's Tale. All right. Um, this is probably the newest thing we're getting. Um because it kind of deals with parts of the storyline that although it's 2009 stuff, we didn't really see these guys before. So we got Samad, uh, Tolurus, and Snake Metis. All very interesting characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also liking kind of the first-person thing. I know they tried to do this in 2007 with Gali's blog, but then that kind of fell apart because I think Greg forgot he was writing it in first-person, and then the last chapters are all in third-person, which is kind of weird. Yeah, because it was supposed to be, I guess, what exactly she was doing. But, oh well. First person can be interesting when uh, when done right. I admit I haven't been uh, catch, keeping up with Samad's tale, so I'm not too familiar with what's going on in that. Um, well, basically we get to hear about the seventh tribe on Bear Magna, the Iron Tribe. Uh, anyone who's orange, really. Uh, we find out why they're orange. Because um, they colored their armor for some reason. Oh, so it wasn't rust? Um, no. I, 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 would have, I would have been happy with that explanation. Iron, rust, yeah, seems logical. Yeah, but apparently it's special minerals that they rubbed on their armor. Oh, well. Um, yeah, we get to find out what happened to them. Turns out they got some sort of plague that makes it impossible for them to dream. So that's kind of creepy. Yeah. Bit, uh, bit of a sad thing. All right, so uh, what else is going on? Um, well, specifically within that, we get to see just a little more of how Agori live. Mm-hmm. So we get to find out that Samad once had a woman he loved, which is not something we've never seen before in Bionicle. Well, nothing in the canon, at least. Well, yeah. We've, we've seen thousands of that in uh, fan fiction. Or if you go all the way back to uh, the Matt Nui online games, you know. Although those oh, yeah. weren't supposed to be... Official. Anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah. So that probably does it for someone's tale. We don't really know a lot about what's going on there. Okay. Mm, what else? Um, there's those interesting Masanui saga updates on Bionicle.com, the main page. Right. Yeah, those have been pretty interesting with the nice Michael Dorn voiceovers. Yes, I really do appreciate... The, the time and effort they went into making those, how they actually got him to do it, whereas other times they've done it, uh, it's just not been very good. Like with uh, the video game that came out in 2003, 
they couldn't get the voice actors from the movie and it's, this is probably the first time where they've actually had something cohesive which I really appreciate yeah that's it was a nice touch and there's definitely been a lot of interesting tidbits in that considering we go you know all the way back to the creation of Matt and Nui and uh get to learn a lot about that and then you know we go of course to the present to see how things are developing on uh, Barra Magna yes I do like how it's kind of um I guess bringing together all the stuff we've kind of known bits and pieces of like we kind of guessed that he was going on a mission we didn't really know what it was and now we just have a, a better idea of what exactly he was doing and what the Matoran inside him were doing and it's really nice just to hear, like, from Matt Nui's perspective, just what was going on. And that uh, that helps me kind of understand things better, I think. Yeah, it definitely puts uh, things in a good perspective. And yeah, it was definitely interesting to find out exactly, uh, you know, what he had been created for and why he was created and things like that. I'm also liking the pictures with, like, the strange symbols and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like back in uh, 2002 when you had... Uh, the Borok updates, and there was exclusive art for that, I think. Yeah, the artwork is, has definitely been really good, I think. All right. Um, anything in particular you want to highlight from that? I know um, Binkmeister Kelly has pointed out a, or commented on a couple of things that fans have pointed out as far as some of the artwork in there. Yeah, we did get to see our first sort of quote-unquote look at the great beings which wasn't very impressive <laughs> yeah they were kind of just these shadowy figures yeah i think i probably could have guessed that they would look somewhat like that in the distance i don't know if we'll get to see what they actually look like before the year ends personally i'm leaning towards no but uh you never know so all right so i guess uh next up there's been some updates in the uh the reign of shadows serial Ah, yes, one chapter, um, as we get to find out other terrible things that are happening inside the Matoran universe. Uh, the end of the battle uh, in the brain room, for lack of a better word. I don't know. I really like that. It seemed a bit of a cop-out, how it's all this huge final battle, and then, boop, they're teleported into space. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you need uh, an interesting little kind of cheap-seeming plot device to keep, you know, your heroes or your villains from being killed or destroyed so you can have another story another day. Mm-hmm. I guess that's true. But I did like how they finally resolved the whole Lewa subplot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second half, it's really strange things going on. We have the Toamari on Zekaz seeing a strange ritual creating some kind of creature. I don't really know what's going on there, but uh, it sounds interesting. Just another setting up of something else. But I would like... I'd prefer in future chapters if he could start resolving some of the things he set up, like what uh, the Dark Hunters are up to, what the Shadow One's doing, what the Baraki are doing. Just all these things that have kind of been set up, but haven't been closed off yet. And I'm worried that People might forget. I know I'm forgetting some of the things that are still open. Mm-hmm. I'm sure uh, plenty of the reference and story the fans will uh, never forget that, and they they'll let Greg know. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
Do you know how many uh, chapters are remaining? Is it going to run through the rest of this year, I guess? Um, I think that's the plan. I don't know how many chapters there are. He usually doesn't like to right, do specific numbers. Yeah. But um, I guess if for the rest of the year, we can figure maybe like four to six more or so. At, at least. least. So that, that should be plenty of time to wrap things up. So I guess the last uh, big storyline update we have is The Journey's End, which uh, you know was originally going to be a book and still may be a book in some regions, but in the United States and elsewhere, we get to uh, download it in PDF form. Yeah, I do, I do like that, how I can just read it online and I don't have to go through the whole trouble of getting it in another country and translating. And I do like that Lego's done this and they realize that while they can't sell books to the English audience, they can at least give them the story. Yeah, and I think the uh, the story has been pretty interesting so far as well. It kind of dovetails a little bit with the Matt Nui saga in a couple parts and goes into more depth than uh, are in those quick little sound bites. And yeah, uh, I, yeah I do like the depth. I was kind of hoping for a lot more new stuff, like in the prologue we finally see something from like great beings perspective and mm-hmm. this is brand new and i'm like oh wow this is amazing and find out all these secrets and then it's yeah. oh this it's is new again. yeah this is something you saw in the comic a few months ago only again surprise although i did think uh some of the stuff about the great beings was interesting with you know all their powers and you know how how things were worked on uh you know barra magnum before it uh, broke apart and all that yeah, I, I do like kind of clarification on things, once again, that we only knew bits and pieces about, and how now we're seeing it from these characters' perspective. Right. We can finally get a full idea. Exactly. But, um, yeah, that was just the prologue, so the first two chapters have been focusing on Matt Nui, and um, he's finally getting some answers to some of his questions, and what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I didn't know he'd lost his memory. That's new. They kind of never really touched on that, but it does make sense. Yeah, either that or he was never programmed to know anything. You know, he was just kind of hanging out there in, sp- in you know, space or whatever, just for no apparent reason. So I guess that makes more sense that he had a reason and he lost his memory rather than uh, just not having a reason to begin with. Yes, and another thing I liked is that there's finally a satisfactory explanation for why he's been floating out in space for 100,000 years because the great beings made him right when the planet exploded. And so I thought, well, hey, why not fix the planet, then go off into the universe searching for information and stuff. But it turns out, as this new chapter explains, that you needed to wait for the planet to settle and cool before you could put them back together. Right. And, and I think one of the other things I mentioned is that you know, he was supposed to observe and you know, learn so he could uh, prevent you know, the mistakes of the great beings from being repeated as well. Yeah, that too. But if if I were in charge, I would have fixed the planet first, then go out and find out how to fix the mistakes. Mm-hmm. But clearly that wasn't possible, so right. I'll, I'll accept that explanation. One thing I uh, found interesting was it talks that you need um, two robots to kind of move the, you know, the shards or fragments or whatever back together. And, um, you know, yeah, in the Matanui saga, we see Matanui starting to do that by himself. You know, with Makuta on his way, he's uh he has you know that picture has him with like the two green being beams kind of pulling the the shards back together. 
Yeah, I, I thought that was weird. They also did that in the comic, and I thought, well, hang on. If one body can do it, why do they need two? But it might be that, like, just to finish the job, you need two. Yeah, I guess that. So, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's all confusing how that's going to work itself out. And, you know, I'm sure there's been a lot of speculation, like, you know, if there's if you need two bodies, does that mean Matt is going to have to convince Makuta Teradox to help him? Or is he going to somehow be able to control two bodies? Or, or is some pl- subplot in Reign of Shadow is going to come to fruition and they'll finally be able to beat Makuta, have someone else take over the body. Right. Lots of possibilities. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. And maybe one more thing I wanted to add is that um, Greg recently revealed that the person Matanui talks to when he's at the door, kind of like the entry system, mm-hmm. That's a- he's actually talking to a great being. And I think that's the first time... We've seen a great being in the present, in the Prime Universe. So that's kind of exciting, I think. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And, you know, kind of, I guess, raises even more questions. You know, if where have they been all this time? If they're still around, at least some of them are. Why weren't they trying to help build more robots before, you know? They had this perfectly good body just lying around, so. Exactly, and why weren't they helping out the Agori? Yeah. Why didn't... Uh, the guy just let him in. I mean, how how many masks of life do you see walking around every day? Right. I mean, I'm sure, you know, if they had that much technology, they could do some kind of scan and figure out, oh, yeah, this is, you know, that consciousness that we put in that robotic body and sent out. But if they did that, then we wouldn't have a story. So. Yes, this is always true. Um, I did think the, the riddle to kind of get in was a, a little silly, but um, well, I, I don't know. Yeah, it did it, it, it seem... Kind of dumb, like, oh, yeah, surprise, surprise, the phrase we've always heard. But right. maybe that's why we've always, they, they, we always had the kind phrase. Of programmed into Matt Nui's subconsciousness. Or... Yeah, just so that he'd know how to get in. Right. Although then that kind of raises the question, um, you know, what was the, the gory that was in there? How did he get in? And Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, is there, do they accept wrong answers? But then people have said, well, Matt Nui did say a wrong answer at first. But I don't know. There, there's always going to be little uh, inconsistencies that we can nitpick with, but it's nothing to uh, get bent out of shape with, I don't think. Yeah, it's an exciting story. So Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to see how that can, you know, keeps going and then eventually wraps up. All right, well, do we have uh, anything else to talk about in the storyline? Um, I can't think of anything. Yeah, I think we pretty much touched on everything. That's just good. Yep, that's 2010 so far in a nutshell. All right. Well, thanks for coming on and talking about that, and hopefully uh, we can have you back in the future to talk about uh, whatever else happens in the storyline in the coming months. I look forward to it. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, and with me now is Kohaku, or Joe, everyone's favorite blog assistant, except for the people who don't like him. And uh, we're going to be talking about the recent uh, Toy Fair event that was held in New York City. How's it going? Pretty good. All right. Ready to talk about some Toy Fair. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. We're just going to go through pretty much most of everything that was on display. We're going to skip over a couple of the you know, less important things, but I guess we'll start off with the uh, creator line. All right. Anything uh, you'd like to point out with those? Um, really, 
creator really hasn't interested me too much. But I'm not going to lie, I do kind of like that jet. Yeah, the jet is nice. And I know I mentioned that I like the uh, the crocodile. is pretty interesting. I think they're uh, generally just a good line of sets if you're looking for a lot of pieces and certain colors to kind of augment your system collection. Good parts packages. Yeah, and they generally have fairly low prices. You don't have to worry about like, licensing or themes or anything like that. All right, well, I guess uh, next up we got Technic. Technic has always kind of been one of my favorite lines. I haven't necessarily bought as much as I should, but I think probably the most intriguing set out of there was that really nice motorcycle. Yeah, the motorcycle was nice. It was uh, fairly s- simple compared to some of the other larger ones, but um, personally, I like the the big excavator that had the power functions. That was quite impressive. Oh, yeah. And then you, the, the mobile crane was nice, too. You really can't go wrong with Technic, usually. No. Although, personally, you know, since I've been around for forever, I like the older days and they had, the beams actually had studs on them compared to the more or less studless stuff they have today. But, back in the day? Yeah, I know. Back when we had, um, you know, Technic pins that were gray and black. <laughs> Definitely. And axles that weren't red. All right. I had the good old days. Yeah. I thought it was interesting to see that um, Mindstorms won the 2010 Educational Toy of the Year, considering it has been around for a while. And, I mean, they kind of revamp it a little every year, but I don't think there's anything really groundbreaking they did about it this year. Ever since. Honestly, the Mindstorms box and the little robot, it looks kind of the same exact thing. It yeah, looks like the same I'm, exact thing it did last year. I'm really not sure what they changed since uh, they created the NXT system. But, um, hey, LEGO's winning awards with it, so I guess they can't complain there. Really, you can't. <laughs> All right, so uh, moving on to some of the unlicensed play themes that LEGO has. I think the thing a lot of people have been talking about are the uh, minifigure line. Uh, and he, they didn't actually have them on display, but I posted some pictures from our press catalog. What are your thoughts on those, Joe? I want them. <laughs> they are amazing. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, positive feedback about those. There's there are so variety. many good pieces and colorations and just things we haven't seen in Lego before with them. Yeah, they really they broke some new ground in some areas there. One thing um, I didn't really mention in the article that I've read and heard from Lego is that there's 16 figures for each series. And a box, like a, they'll have like display boxes at your toy store and stuff, and each one will have 60 figures. And if you buy like a whole box, you're guaranteed to get at least like, I think, oh, uh, does it work out to be three of each figure? And then plus some other extra ones. I'm not sure how the exact distribution works out. But if you buy okay. an entire box, you're guaranteed to get them all. Well, I'll probably at least buy a few of them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure there'll be plenty of other ways you can buy the just the ones you want for a little more online. So, you know, for those people who only want, you know, a certain one, like that robot looks pretty cool or whatever. And you can always use the extra pieces, too. Yeah. Yeah, especially some of the accessories some of them come with. And, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people find good uses for that. Uh, but next up, we have City, which kind of ties in with the minifigures since most of them are City kind of based. This year seemed to focus a lot on... Um, fire and air transportation and there there are two different trucks that i'm seeing too yeah yeah there's the green the fuel, fuel truck, truck and the lego and the, delivery truck i'm tempted to get a lego delivery truck just because 
doesn't want a Lego truck to deliver your Legos. Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't even notice it at first. Someone pointed it out that the um, packages that are on the truck actually have stickers of this year's Lego sets. So, you know, like the little blue boxes are the actual sets. That's pretty cool. You know, the, the planes, you know, they had some nice details, but I think they're generally fairly simplistic. I mean, they use a lot of big one-piece kind of parts for, like, the nose and the fuselages and stuff like that, which, uh, compared to, you know, the planes we had back in the day, seems a little uh, of a letdown to me. I liked the planes back in the day and never actually got any of them, much to my dismay, but these ones are decent, but... They, they look nice, but I don't think they'd be a lot of fun to build. Yeah. They're just too simple. Right. Um... The fire station and the fire helicopter were pretty interesting. The uh, the boat, again, has like that one-piece hull, which you know they've done for a while, but um, you know, there's nothing too exciting about that. The advent calendar was pretty interesting. You know, If you like the minifigures and you don't want to worry about getting certain things randomly, this is a good way to be sure you get everything. Definitely. And uh, yeah, there's definitely some interesting things. You know, I had a special close-up picture. There's a picture of Santa taking a shower, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, if I remember right, there's a drum kit in there, too, and some other cool like presents and things like that. Lego French bread. <laughs> yeah, I think they, they've had that for a while. It was originally in like, the, the Belleville line of sets. They have the they? First time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's I've honestly piece. seen that piece. It <laughs> hasn't been in production for a while, I guess, but um, and even then, it was only in like, the Belleville and Scala. But uh, next up, we have Atlantis, which is a pretty interesting theme. I'm honestly liking a lot of the Atlantis stuff I'm seeing. The sets kind of remind me of the um, Aqua Raiders and stuff from back back in the day. Yeah, Yeah, they definitely do have that vibe. Uh, They have a very cohesive feel to them. They actually remind me of um, Emtron, if you go really back, which had a a red and transparent green kind of color theme. But this time it's underwater instead of in space. And yeah, I like the the cohesiveness, you know, the sets definitely look like they fit with one another. And then there's a lot of cool brick-built creatures, like the shark and the crab and the scorpion. And then the minifigures are pretty neat, too. All that needs to be said is it has a Stargate. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty interesting that uh, it even kind of opens and closes. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to lie, that is pretty epic. Yeah, I, I kind of think that um, if the theme sticks around, you know, next year we'll see what happens when you go through the Atlantis Gate, which is so Gates perfectly named anyway. <laughs> All right, uh, World Racers is a new theme. That's uh, another new theme that's coming out this year, which I thought was kind of interesting. Based on like all of the different vehicles in it, it's kind of reminding me of. Um like some old cartoons, like Wacky Races and all that. Mm-hmm, yeah, the old uh, Hanna-Barbera just... kind of things. Definitely. Yeah, it seems kind of like you take that, mix it with Speed Racer, and mix it with like the Agents line. You know, because there definitely seems to be a very good-bad kind of vibe. You know, the definitely. black and red are the bad guys, and the green and white are the good guys. Although I suppose, you know, though one of the beauties of LEGO is you can do it however you want, but... um. They kind of seem very missiony based, just like the agent's line was. When did minifigs go to Baramagna to get Thornax? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I don't know. I think there's just supposed to be kind of depth charges or something like that, or like water mines to throw off the uh, other boat. And then, of course, they have the Thornax and the Myduck launchers as well. Yeah. Uh, it's good to see some bionicle pieces getting used, though. And, you know, there's like some claw pieces and stuff that you see here and there as well. Poor right. AFOLs and their hatred of bionicle pieces. <laughs> they will have it forced down their throat with uh, the other system themes that incorporated it. So uh, after that, we have the Kingdoms line, which um, is a bit of a departure from the previous couple years of Castle, which had, you know, orcs and skeletons and trolls and stuff like that. What I'm seeing is a lot of, like, the classic kind of style sets. Yeah, it definitely These harkens ones, back. It definitely reminds me of a lot of the older King, Knights King, or not Knights Kingdom, the older Kingdom sets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the old Kingdom line from, like, the, the mid-90s or so, and the, you know, even going further back, it just, you know, very kind of classic medieval, good guys, bad guys kind of thing. Even, like, the checkerboard flags on the little castle. Mm-hmm. It's definitely got that really old feel to it. Yeah, which I think is good. I'm sure the AFOLs will love that. And, you know, I don't think you can go wrong with castles, even for kids. You know, you even really if it has can't. no orcs, they're still going to love the castles. Everyone loves castles. All right, so next up we have Space Police, which I thought had some really interesting sets this year. Honestly, I am loving Space Police. It's kind of always been like one of my favorite themes. Um, first thing I, that I got to point out is it has a lot of purple. Yeah, yeah. There's two sets that incorporated a good amount of purple in them. Purple minifig, and yeah, some definitely some good pieces in there. The purple minifig gangster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With I, I like limousine. that limo. It's it's very nice. It's just very impressive, and you know has all these like spikes and stuff on them. Looks. Looks uh, pretty intimidating. From the current Space Police sets that I already have and have seen, these ones look like they are going to be quite nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the base looks really nice too. has a lot of interesting play features and details in it, which I'm sure a lot of people like. I also liked one of the smaller sets. Uh, I think it was called like the SP-1 Infiltrator or something like that. has a really interesting body shape. Or has like kind of that long fuselage and then this big engine hanging down in the front. Yeah. It's fairly simple, but I just kind of liked the uh, shape. Simple work sometimes. Yeah. So it, power. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like a lot of those ships that you'll see in like anime. Mm hmm. Yeah, maybe that was kind of. Uh, It'll kind of like over the top. Right, right. They don't necessarily seem like they make a lot of sense if you were building something in real life, but they look really cool. So I guess uh, next up, Power Miners is returning this year. Um, instead of rock monsters, we have lava monsters. And uh, there's a definite water theme to the sets. When you're playing with fire, it helps to have water to put that fire out. Yeah, definitely. Although, I, I personally don't like the lime green and blue. I don't think it looks as great as the lime green and orange did last year. It really doesn't. Yeah, it's... I mean, the, the sets themselves don't look bad, but the color scheme is just a... Uh, it's also interesting that there aren't really that many uh, sets at all for the line this year. There's only, like, uh, four of them. So that's kind of, you know, suggests that this might be the last we've seen of the line for a while. 
What really interests me is the rock monster or lava monster with all the with all the spikes coming out of them. I do kind of like the look of that. Yeah, it, it definitely looked pretty cool. The lava monsters look neat with their translucent parts and stuff. And I mean, the the sets themselves have a lot of good play features. You know, the mech has like the claw arm that extends and stuff, and the little truck, you know, has like kind of pincher things. So I'm sure the kids will like them. And if you're looking for lime green, you know, you can't go wrong with that. And they do have quite a few Technic parts, too. Yeah, and they also have some, like, Thornax launchers and stuff like that. And some, some leg armor. Pieces, yeah. So it's good to see the Bonacle pieces getting reused. All right, I guess for the last unlicensed theme, we have the Racers line. Nothing uh, really special to say there, I think. There really never is. The, the air kind of launcher things were interesting, I thought. I remember back in, like, the early 90s, I had... um toys from Hot Wheels that kind of have the same thing where, you know, you push down on, like, the, the red plunger thing and they were supposed to shoot out. But other than that, yeah, there wasn't much to say. Alright, so I guess we'll go on to the uh, the license plate themes this year. Starting out with uh, Toy Story. I already purchased the Lego minifigures for the um, army men. <laughs> I'm going they? to say this all to all of you. You must buy them. They are amazing. Yeah, they look really nice. You know, they have the they cool are. little, um, you know, base plates from the stand on, and and I love how you can take those base plates off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I'm breaking sure them like you would with the mini with the with army the real men army back in the day. <laughs> Had to get a little exacto if you wanted to do that. <laughs> yeah, I think the sets they definitely fit the um, the movies pretty well. And I'm sure that the uh, all the fans of Toy Story will love those. Unfortunately, we couldn't see the Toy Story 3 sets, but I'm sure pictures of those will come out soon. Definitely looking forward to see what they have for those. Yeah. All right, then we got uh, Prince of Persia, which had some interesting elements. It's um, got some interesting elements, um, like ostriches. Yeah, that, that was definitely pretty interesting. <laughs> Apparently an ostrich race plays a, a big part of the movie. I don't know, I've never played any of the games or anything, so I don't know Don't know if uh, they were in that as well. But I'm not sure what to think of the Prince of Persia ones yet. Um, the main thing that I kind of like is that LEGO is partnering with Disney more, mm-hmm. so it might mean that we'll get to see more Disney sets or even more licensed things in general. Yeah, and Disney actually owns uh, a lot of different properties and licenses that uh, you might not expect. You know, there's plenty of movies that um, are owned and have been released by Disney that I'm sure they own the rights to. Another thing I'll just throw, I'll throw out there, Disney owns the rights to Muppets. That would be pretty interesting to see. You know, get some Muppet, Lego like Muppets. Lego Muppets, yeah. that would be pretty epic. Or, um, you know, Fraggle Rock. I was always a big fan of that. I'm sure most of our listeners are too young to remember that, though. I'm too young to remember <laughs> that. Oh, I'm really dating myself then. All right, well, <laughs> moving on to Star Wars then. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of uh, cool minifigures and sets this year in the Star Wars line, I think. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't know where half of these things are from. Yeah, so, well, a lot like, of them are from the Clone Wars, Universe. Clone Wars line, the Clone Wars TV series and stuff like that. So I'm not a big, necessarily a big fan of that. But um, some of it's, you know, the new Grievous figure was pretty nice. He is. I like the um, feel and look of the Tri-Fighter, though. I've always kind of liked spaceships that mm-hmm. looked like that. 
Yeah. Um, the the Hoth place that was nice. Nice to see the Wampa. Personally, I, I love the Tide Defender. I've always been a, you know, an Imperial Starship fan. They have like these really cool kind of like evil looking designs, all those sharp pointy edges and stuff. I definitely may pick up the uh, Tide Defender. It does look pretty nice. I can't. I can't deny that. Yeah, the Slave One. I think the set ex- itself looks fairly similar to past iterations, but um, it's nice to see the new Boba Fett, the new Han Solo and Carbonite, and the uh, the Bosk minifig was pretty sweet too. I do like that Carbonite piece. Yeah, the, pieces the, as it probably is. Uh, it's, it's actually hollow and it has two little um, pegs that the minifig can hold on to, so you can actually put Han into the Carbonite. It was a pretty nice touch there. Nice. Yeah. All right. For uh, the last license theme, Harry Potter is making a return. I honestly didn't expect to see Harry Potter until we saw, like, the Lego Harry Potter video game. Yeah, as soon as you heard about the game, I thought it was pretty much a done deal that the sets were coming back. I don't know. Any thoughts on the the sets? Um, Well, we have the train, the Hogwarts Express back. Mm Mm-hmm. Really, there's. It doesn't really seem. It seems to be simpler compared to like the past versions of it. Yeah, I don't really remember the last one that well, so I can't really speak to that. But Tom, um, I think the new Hogwarts uh, is pretty nice. Uh, when I was talking to Yannick and some other people who are there who know more about Harry Potter than I do, they uh, liked a lot of the details it captured. There are quite a few things that I'm recognizing from the series in it. Mm-hmm. And it definitely looks like to be one of those sets that's going to have a lot of stuff in it. Yeah, there's a lot of like little details that, even taking the pictures, I'm sure I missed stuff. A lot of minifigures in it, too, for uh, the fans. So I guess that wraps it up for the license themes. The uh, next big thing we'll go through is uh, the new board game series that LEGO is finally bringing to the United States. They were available in Europe and other parts of the world last year. But this is the first chance uh, most of us get to see them, except for those people who, um, you know, imported them. As uh, I'm sure you remember, Joe, from Toy Fair last year, I believe you got to play one of them. Got to play Lava Dragon with Shiloh and a few others. Yeah. And that was quite a bit of fun. I'm definitely looking forward to actually picking up a few of these. Yeah, some of them, some of like the, the mid-range ones look pretty interesting. And I thought some of the, you know, the f- few cheaper ones look fairly basic enough that I'll probably pass but uh, you know Lava Dragon the um, Minotaurus looks pretty interesting or you can block the other players and it stuff like that it definitely does and then uh, I know a lot of people have been mentioning our forums stuff like the, the Pirate Code would be really great for uh, pieces so if you're looking for again some fairly inexpensive part packs these are pretty good for that Ramsey's Pyramid looks intriguing, and it does look like it's going to have some nice pieces on it. Yeah, I've heard people say it is fairly complex compared to the others, which is definitely a good thing. I mean, for the, the older builders out there, I can, uh, you know, maybe see myself picking that up. And then Creationary is, you know, a pure piece pack there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, you know, if you like Pictionary, then uh, that'll definitely be right up your alley. I want to point out one thing on Ramsey's Pyramid. Transparent purple pieces are on it. Mm. Lego, if you're listening to this, make more of those. (laughs) 
Alright, and then Universe is on display too, but that's the same trailer we've seen before, so I don't think there's much much to say about that. Besides so, the fact that it looks pretty epic. Yeah, it does look like it's going to be fun. So, um, last up, we got the buildable figures, or as LEGO seems to be calling them, the construction line. Combination of construction and action. So, um, we have the Bionicle Stars, which you know we've seen and discussed before, so I don't think there's much to say there. Ben 10, I think we've you know, dedicated parts of previous PowerCasts to that, so again, not a lot to say. But finally, we have Hero Factory. Hero Factory looks very bionically. I think the, the smaller hero sets look more unique. You know, they do. They, um, especially the armor with um, you know, the thing, the chest emblems, and the weapons especially look um, a bit more futuristic and technology-based than uh, most Bionicle sets we've seen in the past. Although a few of them do look like they have these like really large one-piece weapons. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, I don't really like that. Yeah, those are actually all one-piece, and there's like no arm underneath at all. They just attach to a socket joint that attach to the shoulder of the torso piece, which I think is rather unfortunate. It is. I'm not liking that at all. It really, there's not much to mock with there. Yeah, yeah, definitely makes for a very specialized piece. But um, the smaller sets have a good bit of variety, some colors, pieces and colors we haven't seen before, and just some good color combinations. I know a lot of people have been liking Duncan Bulk for the uh, the silver pieces he has. I've seen too much silver. I could go without some <laughs> silver sets for a while. But um, I think for the price point on the small sets, you know, only eight bucks. That's um, pretty good for what you're getting. Isn't that about what the stars cost? Yeah, and it's exactly the same. So, it's I think it's a, a decent value. You know, it's nice to be able to get them for the lower price, and for people yeah. who want, you know, a whole bunch of of the black uh, glitterian hands, they can buy a whole bunch of Jimmy Stringers. <laughs> And I'm sure there are going to be quite a few people who will. Yep. yep. I'll at least pick up is I'm guessing one of his arms is just that one piece we were just talking about. Yeah, so about. he only actually has one Glitorian hand. So if you want a pair for a mock you want to build, you have to buy two of the sets. That's unfortunate. Yeah. But hey, you got you know, the the new leg and arm pieces and the new feet and stuff too that come with it, so I'm sure mockers will be able to find stuff for all that. They definitely will. So the uh, things that have been a bit more interesting are the uh, the larger sets. Um, what are you? What are your thoughts on those? They look, at least overall, they do look pretty nice. Um, the one that caught my eye right away was Explode. Mm-hmm. They, from the pictures, the red and black. Even though we've seen it so many times. It looks pretty good for him. Yeah, it's really done to a, a nice effect there. And I'm seeing a lot of older pieces, bionicle pieces, in that classic Mata Red. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the sets bring back some older pieces we haven't seen in a while. And, um, you know, newer pieces from the smaller Hero Factory sets and even a couple of Ben 10 pieces. So it's an interesting combination. I know some people have said that it looks too jumbly as a result. And, you know, for some of them that may be true, but I think overall they uh, generally put it to a decent effect and they look fairly good as a result. 
Overall, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was Explode. Looking at Meltdown next has uh, some nice yellow pieces. And uh, some lime green as well. He had these and a black thornax launcher. Yeah. He had these interesting um, kind of transparent green. They're not lime, but they're not classic green canister little, things on his back. Little tube things. I'm not sure what I think about those pieces, to be honest. I'm sure uh, people will find an interesting uses for them. It's, it's definitely an interesting color for sure, though. It'll be a lot easier to judge that piece when we've got it in our hands. Mm-hmm, definitely. I also kind of like the uh, the Cyclops look going on, too. It's an the one eye? Touch. Yeah. So Corroder brings us a, a lot of lime green pieces. He has those interesting spikes, which uh, I think a lot of people like. I'm a little... Those weapons, you know, they've, they're really uniquely shaped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the first thing that caught my eye with them. Yeah, but I, I think, you know, with that, that kind of curved yet pointy shape, people will find a lot of ways to use them for, like, texturing and stuff like that. That uh, will look really nice. I know I've got some ideas for those. <laughs> I, I'm I sure am noticing. I'll oh, go for look, it. I'm sure a lot of people could easily create, like, even Rahi with those pieces. Because mm-hmm. they are, like, the perfect shape for that armor feel. Right. I am noticing that um, most of these sets, as opposed to having you know two different colors, have one main color and then black is their secondary, which I suppose is good if you're looking for black pieces. But um, you know, I think a little bit of variety in the color schemes might have been nice. Black is the new silver. <laughs> you heard it here. You heard it here first. Yeah, heard it here first, <laughs> folks. There we go. Uh, Want to redo that take? <laughs> Ah, who cares? All right. Um, yeah, he also has uh, the Black Thorn X launcher, which is interesting. So if you're looking for that. Then uh, we got Thunder, which uh, brings back a whole bunch more silver. Boo. <laughs> I like the claw piece, personally. Or not really the piece, but the claw assembly. has these interesting kind of fingers and uh, some other interesting uses of, to build that. Yeah, if I'm... I've been looking at that, you know, and I'm honestly not sure what to think of that little claw assembly. It's different. I think it kind of reminds me of, um, what was the set? Axon? His hands? You know, kind of like that. Okay. But um, it's definitely fairly unique. And I think the uh, the actual finger pieces will uh, be pretty useful to people, so... I'm sure a lot of people like those. Yeah. So those four sets were all, um, I believe, $13. So they kind of take the place of the old canister sets. But uh, the next two, Von Nebula and Rotor, are each $20. And, you know, as such, they're a bit bigger and uh, have a bunch more pieces. So uh, Von Nebula was really hard to photograph since he was completely black. I can tell. Yeah, we and were like, oh, do we try the flash? Do we not have the flash? You know. But I uh, have some interesting kind of darker, not dark, but the uh, traditional matte blue highlights. But I don't think it was nearly enough to uh, stand out. He could have used some more, I think. Could have used some more blue on him. Yeah, to, for some nice contrast. I thought the um, the Barak faceplates in solid black were interesting. 
And I'm sure there's going to be quite a few people who are going to buy them just for that. Yeah. And, of course, the, the spike pieces are pretty neat, too. They are really unique. Um, what catches my eye right away is that little blue and black orb thing on his staff. Yeah, the uh, the Tridox, Tridox pod from a That's few years back. I knew it looked familiar. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting to see in that combination. I'm wondering to see kind of if that'll tie into any kind of story that uh, LEGO gives us or what. Um, but all right, so the next set is Rotor, which a lot of people have said is, um, you know, Poe Hatu Nuva redone again. And it definitely looks like uh, the last rendition we saw of that set with the, the orange and the kind of rotors going on. And we get an orange Thornax launcher. Which does look pretty nice, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah, it has a nice it, combination. It looks better than I thought it would in orange. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think um, it, uh, the set itself has a pretty cohesive look. It has the nice blaster on one hand, and then the uh, the rotors and stuff like that. And, it's a uh, very big rotor. Yeah. Well, it's got to lift a pretty big guy, so. <laughs> Unlike Pohatu with his two small ones. Mm-hmm. has the uh, the piston pieces in orange as well, which is interesting. So I'm sure those will come in handy. And it has the, um, the Glatorian leg armor in orange as well. I didn't expect to see like those pistons in a different color. Yeah, yeah, you would have figured that's definitely nice. Standard. But yeah, pretty much. I mean, looking at all six of those sets, it's black and one other color. So uh, if you're a fan of black, you know these sets are for you, definitely. But then we have the two vehicle sets: the uh, Blaze bike and the Dropship. Which all you need which... to know on the Blaze bike. Sorry for cutting yeah, you off go there. For it. It has a orange classic style Borak shield. Yeah, that that was I think the first thing we noticed, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's the exact same pattern and stuff that uh, you know we had back in two thousand two. So, I love it for that. Yeah, it is great. It's kind of like you gotta wonder if like they made a prototype of that or something, and it was just sitting around. So it was like, hey, we could go back to that. I'm sure we can expect to see a few orange Borak popping up on the forums. Oh, definitely, definitely. I think the uh, the hardest part with that is, you know, there's no orange Borak uh, torsos that I'm aware of. But, um, you know, people will figure that out. They will. And the That's bike a challenge is, to the, all of you, by the way. <laughs> the bike itself is pretty nice. You know, it's it is. got uh, the, th- the Thornax launcher and, you know, it's got... Normal things you'd expect a kickstand, the uh, steering column moves, stuff like that. Has a new version of uh, William Blaze. And then we got the uh, the biggest set this year, the Dropship. I don't know, what were your thoughts on that one? I know, like, you kind of talked about the scale for it, but I'm guessing the images just kind of don't do it justice overall. Because to me, it doesn't look that big, but it does. I'd say it's about the same size as, um, the Rocco T3, I guess, said it was, with, yeah. that came with Pohatu. Maybe, I'd say, yeah, probably about the same. I mean, the price point is about the okay. same as well. Um, you know, I think it focuses a little more, like, there. I think there's more to the body of the set, possibly, than there was to that. And it has it's the definitely cockpit. a bit larger in that sense, because mm-hmm. um, the Rocco was a bit more longer and... Just a bit longer. This one seems to be have a bit more bulk to it. Right. Yeah. 
and um, you know has the the one action feature where these two claws will come together on the bottom to uh, kind of grip your hero so you can drop him into whatever mission he may be uh, going into. Seems kind of cruel. <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, stand right here. We're going to grip you, and then you have to go flying around. We're going to hold on to you with these claws and then drop you into a battle zone. Yes. I'm sure they'll, uh, you know, got to go through drastic measures if you're going to save the day. Apparently so. <laughs> I don't remember Superman having to go through that much. Well, he could fly, though, you know. Robotic heroes apparently can't, except for Rotor. He's not a hero. They must have run out of those um, rocket feet. Yeah. I mean, they had them with the, uh, what was it, the Fantoka, you know. They had, and the like, Avatar. Yeah, they had, they had jetpacks and stuff. But um, I guess in that regard, you know, Hero Factory, for all its futuristicness, is a step down. They can't fly like the Toa. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but um, I, yeah, I guess that uh, pretty much wraps it up for the 2010 sets. Any uh, last thoughts on Hero Factory or anything else? Um, I don't like the fact that they have the Bionicle logo on the backs. Yeah, even though they're not Bionic because they're not Bionicle. It's kind of like they're trying to keep that for you know the kids who you know liked Bionicle but maybe weren't quite you know, into the community and, like, hadn't gone online to realize what was going on. So they think it's the same thing. And, I don't know, personally, for all intents and purposes, the uh, the six villain sets, I think, you could have called them Bionicle villains and you wouldn't really know the difference. They really do fit as, like, Bionicle villains. Um, but, like I said, the naming on the box, it is just to get more customers who like the Bionicle man brand to buy this one. Mm-hmm. Um I'm guessing next year that logo will probably go bye-bye. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure after a year or so it'll fade away. All right, um, so I guess that about wraps it up. Thanks for joining me, Joe. You're welcome. It was fun. All right, hope you can come back on in the future. I definitely will. All right, back with us again is Van Matern of Anger for another How-To BZP. How's it going? going pretty good. How about you? Uh, not too bad. What are we going to talk about this week? Um, well, we've had this pop up a couple times recently, so we're going to talk about what it takes to become a staff member, since everyone always wants to know that. Right. So uh, recently, a member, uh, T. Leacon, posted a message in the official staff positions topic saying, um, how likely is, is it that an average member will eventually become staff of some sort? And uh, my reply to that was, you know, at, at the time of my post, we had 44,860 registered accounts and only 74 staff members. So if you do the math, that means you have a uh, 0.165% chance, which is pretty small. Yeah, that's small by any standard. <laughs> but um, obviously, people do become staff somehow, and they generally do that by, you know, setting themselves apart and uh, making them stand out from the crowd. So... You know, how likely is it, is it that an average member will become staff? Not that at all that likely. But if you're an above average member, you know, that's what um, grasp, grabs our attention and makes us pick you. Yeah. All right. So, um, so I guess starting with uh, forum staff, then, what are some things we look for? Well, obviously, um, typically we look for people that are generally helpful, 
you know, a lot of times you'll see, I mean, obviously posting the Q&A are helping in there is one of the things that'll help you. It's not the only thing that we look at. We also look at stuff like, you know, are you reporting posts? Are you reporting signatures to us? That sort of thing. Right. Yeah. We look for, like you said, uh, reporting, um, being just generally helpful, you know, helping members who have questions, whether it's in Q&A or elsewhere. Um, you know, we look also try to get a sense of, um, you know, your your maturity, you know, how well could you handle the responsibility of being a staff member, things like that. Right. And then, you know, we also look at your ego. We don't, we're not necessarily want to get someone that's going out of their way to say, well, I could do the job better than anyone else on the staff. Right. You know, we also, we, we don't want to give people staff positions because they want to be staff. We want to give them to them because we think they deserve them and that they'll help make BZ Power a better place. Um, so one thing a lot of people do ask about is, you know, do I need uh, full proto or a lot of proto to become a staff member? And that's kind of like a mixed answer. Um, you want to talk about that a little? Yeah. Um, basically, no, you don't have to have full proto. But one of the things is that a lot of the stuff that you can do to get proto will also help you, you know, towards becoming staff. Yeah. So, you know, the, in, what we talked about before, the reporting and all that type of stuff. Right. If, if you, you do that, lot. you're generally going to get more proto than someone that doesn't do something like that. And then you're also more likely to become staff because you're doing that. Right. And, you know, that, that mainly goes for the forum positions, but um, things like the reference uh, positions on the staff we have, you know, they tend to uh, usually have less proto, but because they're uh, so well-versed in, you know, the Bionicle uh, story and everything like that, you know, that's what um, helps them stand out to Bones, the reference master, and myself when uh, we're deciding to pick new reference keepers. Right. Uh and other things like, you know, even when you look at, I don't know how how you go about picking new staff, but I'm assuming that you generally look for people that are uh, well-spoken or, in this case, well-written. Right, yeah. Write well and, a lot of times we'll, um, you know, find people who make a lot of blog entries, you know, that aren't just, you know, really short things, but they actually do enjoy writing, uh, especially people from the library. You know, obviously, if you're doing news is different than writing a fanfic, but um, we want to see that you do have writing skills and that, you know, you can compose yourself and give a, uh, you know, very cohesive, albeit brief, you know, news report to let people know what's going on. And um, I guess, you know, I mentioned blogs and that's uh, our last group of staff members that uh, we have. And again, you know, we're, we look for people who report things a lot on there. And we also, you know, if you're active on the forums, a lot of people are active on the blogs as well. So there is a bit of crossover between those. And, um, you know, p people who have a blog and are active a lot in there and comment on a lot of other people's entries, we see that you're active and that, um, you know, you like to get around the site as opposed to, you know, just staying in one or two topics or forums. Right, and being active is one of the other things because, uh, as people may or may not notice, a lot of us on the staff go inactive quite often. Right, yeah, so, you know, that's that's why we do have, like I said in the beginning, 74 staff members. It might seem like a lot or too much, but, you know, real life does um, come and go, and it takes up people's time, so they can't uh, spend all of, 
all their waking hours on BZ Power. So we need to like to get a good variety. And when we do pick a staff member, we like them to be active so we can be assured that, you know, they will be helping us out. Right. You don't need more of me sitting around doing nothing all day <laughs> long. Yeah, although you do uh, a decent amount of work. You're always oh, uh, talking to me a- about things that are going on. <laughs> so, but yeah, being active definitely helps a lot. But, um, you know, it's, it's, again, one of the many things we look at. So I guess to, to summarize, you know, we look that you're helpful and, you know, report things, that you're mature and don't necessarily have a big ego, and that you're an active member of the community. So I guess those would be the, the most important things we look at when picking staff. Right. And the, the rumor is, is that we also look at how insane you are, but we can't confirm or deny that. Yeah, I think sometimes the insanity comes more as a result of being staff than uh, prior to. So it's it's something very hard to uh, judge. So we'll let that slide. But All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on and talking about that. Yeah, no problem. All right, and I'll see you next time. All right. All right, so joining me are Smeagol4, Holly Husky, and Senjo to kind of do another retrospective on Bionicle, where instead of talking about what we liked, we're going to look at what could have been and what we would have done with the Bionicle franchise had we been in charge. How's everything going, guys? Gloriously, as always. Splendid. Good to hear. All right, so, uh, you know, with about nine or so years of Bionicle story and sets, uh, I'm sure we all have our own opinions on how uh, we wish things could have been run. So. <laughs> All right, that's definitely one thing. So I guess we'll start with um, the sets and uh, look at you know what what we wish would have happened with the sets. Any uh, thoughts on that, guys? Um, well, right off the bat, I'd like something that they'd started doing in later years that I liked. On the one hand, was introducing new colors. I don't like how they did it though. I wish instead of changing uh, colors for elements that have already been established, I wish they had just introduced more elements under new colors. So we could have had like orange and lime and purple and pink, you know, things like this would have been awesome. And we could have had new storyline opportunities, guys. It would have been awesome. Instead of just changing, you know, Pohatu and all their colors. Exactly! Pohatu is brown. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I have brown sets. I bought them. I was always fond of brown. Ooh, I mean, I it made every sense. Brown set. Every brown set. Same here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then there, there were no brown sets, and it was really and, awkward. Yeah. Then we had kind of yellow and orange, and it just didn't make see, any sense. See, I like, I like the orange sets, but not as Pohatu. Yeah, Makes no, orange is a fine color. Orange, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like, okay, imagine purple Tilla. How cool would that have been? Purple. I'm sure oh, plenty fantastic. of people would love that. Uh, like a purple and pink Toa. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Now yes. I was really thrilled when we got um, Toa of Life and Matsunui because now we finally have some quote yellow Toa ish unquote. Yes. You know, so we waited for that and we got it. But purple, honestly, exactly. a purple Toa. Exactly. Uh, I mean, people have been making purple mocks. For ages. Yeah, the, the amount of purple love in the Bionicle fandom is extraordinarily high, and rightfully so, in my opinion. You think LEGO <laughs> would have gotten the message? I don't know, it seems like a lot of people are just like purple. Otherwise, you know, they wouldn't have two Space Police sets this year that are predominantly purple as well. well why didn't they get on the boat before 
Bionicle ended. Yeah, it's too late. Mm. But it's okay, so we would have done it differently. Yeah. Personally, yeah. I think um, I would try to stay away from some of the clone sets. You know, they got really bad for a while with the Barok and the Barok Cal and the Rakshi and the Vaki. They, yeah. they finally did better yeah. near the end, but um, for a while there, it was just really cookie-cutter kind of sets. Yeah, and it made sense with the Bohrok, since they were all supposed to be a hive mind sort of thing, but a lot of the other ones, it was just, you know, why? <laughs> it, mm. it didn't make any sense. Sounded like a lack of creativity. Right. <laughs> or low budgets or something. That's yeah, or that. Scene. All right, Anith, yeah. what other things uh, would you guys have changed in the sets? Probably not made so many characters. I guess this is a personal thing, but making so many of them ugly. <laughs> like, I think that at first they like mm. were more attractive looking, and then they got like really ugly. They <laughs> did. They Holly. got very ugly very fast. Yeah. So, yeah. In the so beginning, the masks tended to be very smooth and organic-y, and then they kind of yeah. got more blocky and. You know, they well, have, like, kind of scales and stuff. We were so happy to have them because of the poseable arms and legs. I mean, they had elbow and knee joints. That was fantastic. But they were skinny and weird. They were lookers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And after that, they just got really strange. Yeah. I think what really bothered me about a lot of later canister sets was, um, you know, I'm all for more posability in sets, but... What I really loved when I was when I was young and playing with Bionicle back in the day was uh was the gear functions and things like that. It just having yes. a set that does something. That was so much fun. Absolutely. Just like, whoosh, 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 yeah, whoosh. and of course this is kind of getting more into nostalgia than than what could have been. But what I'm saying, what could have been was, you know, why couldn't they have made sets that still did things and also were posable? I I would have liked to have seen branching branching out with in more directions with the sets. Whereas really in the past like five years or so, all the sets did the exact same thing. I mean, they were True. just the same. Or, or they lose pose, um, you know, movability, yeah, it seems, yeah. compared to the beginning. Yeah. Although pistons were a step up, I think. Hydraxon. On the and, larger sets, yeah. Yeah, the larger yeah. ones. Oh, boy, do I like those. And I think another thing, Smee, you mentioned, you know, the past five years or so, the sets pretty much did the same thing. A lot of them were actually just built on the same basic, you know, torso and, you know, style that um, got old real fast. I mean, that, that's almost worse than the clones, I think, in uh, some yeah. parts. I mean, at yeah. least in the early days, we got a different design with, like, all these new pieces every year as opposed yeah. to later on where it's just the same torso and the same arms and legs year after year. And I would have been happier with it if it had been a better torso design, personally. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think went... the uh, comments on the proportions have been made again and again. Yeah. Maybe a little tiny bit. <laughs> All right, what about things with, like, the larger sets that uh, you would have changed? The price. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, oh, you mean, like, how they're built. <laughs> <laughs> well, this mm. is all inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I but, guess one know, thing. It's an the, aspect of the site. The vehicles, I think, went over really well at the end. And oh, I think it would have oh. done uh, wonders if they had... You know, done that kind of thing earlier on. Well, they did it. You know, 2002 with the boxer and the exotoa, and then, that was really cool. And those were awesome. And then the vehicles near the end were pretty nice as well. So if they had, you know, filled in that gap in the middle with uh, some vehicles or something like that, as opposed to all the, you know, just basically big bipeds, it would have been interesting. Even yeah. like Pugu and the the bird, those are really cool. The sets that Takua and Jaller came with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are cool too. Kind of vehicle-ish. 
Yeah, and again, there was something different other than bipeds. You know, it got to a point where just every year all we were getting was some bipeds and kind of yeah. got old, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking back to the Terracava year one. You know, it's got that huge tire tread on it. No feet. Oh, yeah. Those are fun. Yeah. I mean, even the Nui Rama, I think oh. it was, right? No feet. I mean, they fly. They're and the Jaga with the stingers. Like, two arms. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Oh, rubber bands. Yeah. Those were Rubber bands. Manas were fun. Oh, fun. Yes. Yeah. You could just load them all up on top of the manas and just drive. Yes. <laughs> Ruaka and Kinra were pretty sweet. The heads, you know, shooting yeah. out. I never had that. I was deprived. <laughs> <laughs> so one yeah. thing that uh, I guess Bonacle did do for a little bit was branch into system. So looking back, would you guys have done that? Would you have done it differently? I advocated <laughs> it at the time. Um, but ultimately... In retrospect, I don't know if it was necessarily a good decision. What I would have liked to have seen was have that become a running thing and just kind of be implemented better. Um, you know, it, it didn't really... The, the system sets that they were making had like these just gigantic elements and stuff and were very simplistic instead of actually being the sort of intricate things that we get in, in system themes. And I think if they had just stuck to that sort of formula, the system formula with these sets, it, they would have been a lot better, I think. Yeah. Anything else with the sets that uh, you guys have done differently? In, in a perfect world, what uh, what would Bond have done? <laughs> perfect. I think world. they would have not done the first movie like they did the first. <laughs> 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 uh, third movie is the worst offender. Well, that's, I think you know, they would have made the first movie like they did their flash updates. And they would just made yes. like six of them and been like, "Here's one, here's another, here's another," and that would be my men made by Templar. <laughs> yeah, and then. Yeah, well, I, I think the movie is a good point to talk about in what could have been because I think we all we all kind of agree that the movies were were lackluster in many departments, I suppose, right? Oh yeah. So well, they were like yeah. they were when they came out. It was kind of like you know this is the movie you can get for your kid for Christmas or whatever, along with the Barbie movie that came out that year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like okay. But so I'm thinking, I guess we could all probably say a lot of things that we think the movies could have been better with, you know, how the movies could have been done better. Yeah, a lot of things. I mean, certainly I would start right off with saying dialogue. Please have better dialogue. Need another writer. (laughs) Yeah, especially the most recent film just had such horribly cheesy (laughs) dialogue. You need to chill. And I think, yeah, the Bionicle audience um, has often in general proved itself to be pretty, you know, competent. And and we don't need to be pandered to. uh, If you compare the dialogue of the very first comic book to those first three, I mean, this is is not mansy-pansy stuff. Yeah. And then you compare it to the dialogue in the movies. It's like, um... It's me, you'd be nothing but hot air. (laughs) Why did they water it down? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I wish the films had had that same sort of writing quality that the comics and things like that yes. had, um, which were mature without being, you know, adult. Yeah, uh, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, they were accessible that. to a much wider age range. And exactly, exactly. Right. All right. So uh, you also mentioned the uh, the flash updates were something I definitely would have liked to see keep going. More, I think more of them by the they same people. did a great people. job. Back in you know 2002 and all that, there was some some great you know content that uh, came out via those. And you know, looking back, um, I don't think much has kind of touched that level since. 
No, it's funny because it wasn't even their story. They were just kind of, I don't know if they were probably commissioned to do it or whatever, but they seemed to really take it where Lego wouldn't, and Lego was like, oh, we don't want to do that. That's just too much. Yeah. Well, we and Lego seemed to be that. fine with it initially, and then they kind of backed yeah. away in recent years. Dumb. But it was good stuff. There wasn't really anything wrong with it. It was, it was workable. Yeah. You know? And a lot of people enjoy them, so. Yeah. Even, I mean, even what? Now. When I think Bionicle Story, that's what I think of is those and the original comics. You know, yeah. That's that's canon to me, not yeah. whatever retcons they've done since then. Hookie and Maku, forever. forever. Oh, absolutely, yes. absolutely. Okay. More of that. Good times. Good times. And the plushies. Yes. Um, yes. Templar Studios. You know Thank how you. much money they could have made. They totally should have. I mean, it was oh. a brilliant idea, and they walked away from it. Uh, you know what? See, that's I feel what like doing that. You That'd should. be great. I'll buy one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I guess uh, another thing that, you know, I think most of us can all agree on that we liked the most was the, the setting from 2001, you know, the tropical island of Matanui. And uh, a lot of us were sad when we left <laughs> that. And uh, kind of wish you could have stayed there. Oh, Yes. Yeah. At least a little bit longer, maybe another year or two. We should have stayed on the island a lot longer. Or at least come back right. at the end, you know, instead of yeah. moving on to other places, you know. But yeah. do, do the flashbacks to Metro Nui and then come back to Matt Nui. Yeah. We all you know do realize that our favorite island ever yes. is now a bunch of pieces at the bottom of the ocean. I was just about That to broke say. my heart when he came up and there was an <gasps> island. I, like, I know. Oh, the island is face comes up and breaks it. I was like, no. Well, suddenly uh, the Borok made sense. It's like, oh, so that's why they were there, but now it's gone. So we're all mad. And what happened yeah. to all the Rahi and stuff that are still living there? You know, Seriously. Sad. You can't yeah. tell me they all evacuated. dead. They're drowning in the sea. It's horrible. It was a horrible scene. <laughs> it was terrible. worse than the Exxon Valdez. It scarred me. I'm still trying to figure out how they got down there. Was it through his nose? <laughs> Sick. Uh, some some things are better left unsold, I think. You know, they, they killed a hole through his head. No. So, what about other settings <laughs> in the Bionicle <laughs> universe that you would have uh, liked to stay or wouldn't have done, or maybe a, a, a setting that um, wasn't done that you think they could have gone to that uh, would have been interesting? I think one that, that really had a lot of great potential but didn't really pan out how I was hoping was uh, Voya Nui. I've actually I've yes. talked to Yannick about this. Yes. And it was kind of that return to that tribal thing. Uh, and it was much heralded at the beginning of 2006 that, yeah, we're getting back to the, to the tribal stuff. And it just yeah. didn't happen at all. It just didn't no, happen. it was just kind of like, okay, here's some books about yeah. it. Easy readers that don't really describe anything. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And we just kept all the whole techno stuff that the past few years had had. Yeah. We didn't. Yeah. Yeah. It but was it really looked like they were going to, and they didn't. Yeah. Because you had the characters coming from Matanui instead of Metronui, where we had been. So you think, oh, they're on Matanui, where you know there wasn't much technology and stuff. Then yeah. also they've used light up swords and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like I don't know. It could have been so much more. I feel. All I right. kind of wish there'd been a little more Metronui too, because at first I was mad about it. I didn't like it because we were leaving Matanui. But then I kind of liked it that one year or two. <laughs> but then well, it was just like, okay, whatever, we're throwing this out. Yeah, like, something oh. that I felt could have been, another thing that I felt could have been much more um, 
on Metronuri was was the whole story in 2005. Uh, that was another one that was kind of set up to be something really great and interesting. You know, the the Toa have to fight these dark sides within them, and this beast just trying to overcome them. But it ended up it was like three minutes, and that was it. You know, there was there was no interesting yeah. inner struggle really shown. It just it could have been a lot more, I think. Yeah, in the Rahaga or however you pronounce it that year, you know, they seem to have a lot of potential. You learn some interesting things about you know how Toa they are made. Really- and they didn't really go anywhere with that either. I wanted I mean, yeah. to hear more about this. I think some some stories and stuff that you know the serials Greg has written have kind of gone into that, but not as much as some people would like. Definitely. Yeah. 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 yeah it's like they keep teasing us and then not giving us anything <laughs> at the end of it. Any uh, other changes you guys would have liked to see? How about the lack of change in the comic books? <laughs> Yes. Oh dear. Uh, they could you have mean, stayed as they were. Yeah. Things would have been great. Issues one through nine, so good. My point exactly. I am <laughs> not just to the writing. Okay, writing aside, we've already talked about dialogue. Yeah. This is down to the art. Oh, Carlos Dianda was so good. Oh, um, Carlos Dianda, we miss you. Randy Elliott. Not like um, it's just such a flat, <laughs> angular style. Uh, Lee Gallagher, though, yeah, Gallagher was so nice. good, so good, <laughs> so good. Sager had his moments. I mean, it was definitely a very radical departure, yeah. and yeah. Uh, at times, I think it characterized the setting well. Yes, yeah. true. Yes, but oh, I tell you, those were the dark ages of Bionicle art. <laughs> Randy, Randy Elliott's era, I think, was the worst. Oh, gag. I know, I got that first comic book and I was like, what happened? Exactly. Rip it up. Uh, uh, I'm saying, I'm saying. Well, the one, the one, um, what do you call it? The shot of his that I look at the most and laugh at is the scene. I don't even know which comic book it's in where Vakama reveals to the Toa. All of them are standing there. He says, you are not the first Toa. That was so flat. And all seven of them are standing there like, you know, sticks. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're looking at it like, could you get any flatter? It's almost cubist, <laughs> some of his art sometimes. Like, like you'll have these pictures of Toa Vakama, and his arms are just like going out in directions. They're like, arms don't bend that way. It's like Wernicke. Really, <laughs> it's it's like really proportional, even for a barnacle. And they're like, sometimes you've got Golly over here, oh, yeah. and she is seriously skinnier than Lindsay Lohan or something. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> she's like a toothpick. And then she's like, the next panel, she is fat man <laughs> all over the place she <laughs> binged like, between panels <laughs> that was fast no yeah. Yeah. artistic interpretation can only go so far I think too especially no, when the guys... whole point is to try to sell the sets you know yeah. yeah but do you remember how much emotion Carlos Deanda would put in the face of a bionic I mean just by their eyes when you could yeah. actually see uh, their little yeah, glowing the, eyes behind the eyes and the lighting and like once we got to de- uh, once we got to Randy Elliott, it was just you know, just a lot of shining stuff and yeah. stick figures. Yeah, yeah, randomly shining things. Yeah, like, let some more shine on there to look great. Kids love shiny things. <laughs> Everybody's perfectly clean. Toe don't get dirty anymore. <laughs> yeah, and then we had the opposite thing in the sets where suddenly everything was dull gray and everything. And it's yeah, like, that's not appealing at all. <laughs> no, that's not appealing. That's not chrome. Color. Why is everyone so afraid of color? Yeah. Well, they did get back to that, you know, you had lime green and orange and well, yeah, yellow. But the, but then there was, was a lot of gray up. and silver, which did get old. That's 
going yeah. back to the sets, I guess that's one thing I would have changed is the reliance on silver we seem to have for a while. Yeah, yeah too much and, gray. Yeah, the gray. I don't know why they started the gray. It's just it's gray is not it an really attractive. It really was color. the dark ages. It yeah. was. Great. Well, so, you look at sets like the Exotoa, and it was great because the Exotoa it wasn't particular to an area or an element. It was new, so it had black and gray and yeah. orange, and that and was, it was that mechanical. was great. It was perfect because it was, it was just cool. a mechanical, yeah, just a machine or well, like when a you boxer. Put, when you put the Toa in there, it gives it color. Yeah, exactly. and plus it had it had that bright color orange to balance it out. Whereas like with right. the Toa Metru, we had this gray, and then we had these ugly dark dark reds and dark blues, <laughs> which are and it was just gross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> offensive to my sensibilities. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar Wilde bad would not fashion prove. statement. <laughs> it was just bad Lego. Exactly. <laughs> we need the fashion police to exactly. go tear down the Lego walls and say, yo, we have problems with this. <laughs> We've been talking about doing that forever. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's kind of like they still haven't quite learned. Because actually when I was talking to Kohaku earlier in the show about um, the Hero Factory sets, you know, no, looking at the larger ones, they're all black and one other color. You know, it's very, yes. there's mm-hmm. a, a whole lot of black in those sets. And I didn't even notice it at first until we started talking about them. It's like, yeah, that one's red and black. That one's green and black. Now, granted, they do have like, you know, the nice bright red and the bright, you know, the lime green and stuff like that. But, you know, it would be nice to have a little more contrast or a little more variety in the color palette. Yeah, right. I do think black functions better than gray as an underlying color. Yeah, um, like if you're like, because um, yeah, it's a lot more neutral, and, but, I, and I like it better as well. Yeah, gray just mutes things out too much, but yeah, black black does allow the colors to stand out and become more vibrant. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. some variety is always nice, I think. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, what happened to having you know bright green and lime green together, or red and orange together? You know things like that. Right, yeah, those color great. combinations in the first few years were. I really liked that. Yeah, it was it was vibrant and striking and beautiful. All right, any uh, last thoughts then? Guess we'll start wrapping this up. Yeah. What else would we have changed? I could think of is more pink. Yeah, I'm pink. Just on. <laughs> and purple. And brown. Pink and purple. Pink and purple. Pink and purple. And brown. brown. Pink, purple, and brown all in one all set. All the same set, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's one thing they should have changed. They should have made more mu- music available. Yes! Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, whether it's an MP3 download or a CD to buy, I mean, an iTunes download or something. I'm guessing you're referring more towards like the earlier kind of like jungly music stuff. Yeah, well, well even, you know, even were... up to just a couple years ago. Well, even the movie the, music. The video yeah, game backgrounds is yes. good stuff. Yeah. I mean, even the movie stuff was good. Oh, it was fantastic. It was yeah. wonderful. And yeah. we all want it. And, and so the only stuff they've actually yeah. released are like these two-bit pop songs. Oh, yeah, the, the it, kind of it, cover-ish songs by Cryoshell. And those aren't even fun to listen to. You're just sitting there and like, this doesn't make me think about Bonacle at all. This is yeah. just like... <laughs> Not at this all. Is what, this is like know, they wrote it and they somehow to. found a way to tie it in, yeah. 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 It's cheating. I this song, so I'm going to put it in. <laughs> Let's make this band famous. All American rejects. (laughs) Oh, God. Free the band. You gotta free the band, Andrew. (laughs) Ray freed the band, right? Oh, yeah, he did. (laughs) Yeah, he did. But then he cried and his mascara (laughs) ran. (laughs) All right, guys, so any other thoughts? Last call. Uh, Pink. 
Now I'm thinking of pink soundtracks. <laughs> pink soundtracks. Music CDs, yes. No. The music of the future. Exactly. Isn't there a band? There's this band called Pink. Is that what you're talking about or no? No. no I that was Absolutely not. Pink Floyd, you mean? Yes, there we go. Okay, yeah. Pink Floyd and Bonacle. That'd be interesting. Money! It's a crime. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for coming on. Some interesting. Thanks for discussion. having me, Andrew. <laughs> you're welcome, Andrew. All right, and yeah. I hope you can all uh, come back in the future sometime. <laughs> all right, this is great. Sure. Beautiful talking to you people. Yes, wonderful. You as well. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. I know it was a long one, and uh, I think we're going to try to make next month's a little shorter, or a lot shorter, because I don't want to have to edit all this again. As always, please give us feedback in the talkback thread on the forums. Or uh, leave us uh, some comments or reviews on iTunes. And I'll see you all next month.
Oh, thank you. <laughs> Come on. You're wonderful. Oh, oh group hug. Yeah. Hug, 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 hug. Yay. Share the love. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what a wonderful world. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and that's where the recording stops. <laughs>